This would have been a good day to climb back up on that pulpit there, like kind of like speaking down from the mountain, right? So sometimes when I when when you you read scripture over and over and over again for so many years, you know, in the lectionary cycle, it's every three years we read the same thing, and you start to notice things. And so, I'll make an example of that by returning now to the scene on the banks of the Jordan when Jesus was baptized. Sure, you'd heard that story many times, the baptism of Christ. So Jesus comes to the Jordan and comes to the people there, and, and I think there were crowds there, I can imagine, and, and they come, he comes to John and says, uh, John the Baptist, and he says, I wish to be baptized. And John just, he says, oh, no, Lord, it's you, you know, you should be baptizing me, not, not that way. So he, pers- he protests, relents. But he does, he relents and baptizes Jesus. And so, you know, you may know the rest of the story. Scripture shows, to me, Scripture shows that there was a personal experience for Jesus. This, this story is about Jesus. He saw, this is what the scripture says, he saw, Jesus saw, the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a, glo- a dove upon him. And the voice says to Jesus, you are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It was like he was being uh, ordained or confirmed or, or something. And so Jesus departs the scene to meet up with Satan in the desert and to be tempted, be tempted. Was it three times, I think? And then he returns to Galilee to begin his ministry. It's all about Jesus. There's a, there's a crystal... I digress for a minute. I always have to do something. The, the, the Christological uh, controversy over this uh, is, gives, gives some uh, people, academic kinds of people, tons of fodder. So they want to say, this is when Jesus became Jesus Christ. And the others say, oh no, that was, from, that was back in Bethlehem in that manger. It all happened there. And they go on and on. Does it really matter? <laughs> no. He was born as the Christ bearer or ordained at baptism. I don't know. So now, the story that I read for today and we had a nice little song about the transfiguration story 
where Jesus gathers up uh, three of the guys, James, John, and the sons, they're the sons of Zebedee and Peter. Peter, who always struggles with everything that happens. Peter, he does. So they come uh, up there, and uh, Jesus is praying, and they see Jesus being transfigured before them. The skin becomes glowing white, just like the story of Moses when he came back down from the mountain. And uh, it's sort of, a, it's an epiphany for, the, for those three guys, Peter, James, and John. They see him transfigured. It's, it's, a, it's an epiphany. Saint Ma- in St. Matthew, I just read from Luke, St. Matthew's Gospel uh, wrote, his face shone like the sun. And he was kind of one that I was kind of giggling about. St. Mark adds, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could brighten them. So I don't know about today, you know, I mean, uh, they do pretty good. (laughs) But no kidding, I mean, back in that day, there was no washing machines and bleach and all that stuff. So uh, I guess it was more relevant. So there you go, I digress again. So Moses and Elijah appear and they see Moses and Elijah, they appear with Jesus. Moses and Elijah are two of the, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Judeo-Christian faith, they're, they're two of the major defenders of the faith. Moses, of course, rescues all of the Hebrews from Egypt and takes them to the desert and shows them the promised land and so forth. And, uh, other than Jesus, perhaps the major character in our, our uh, story, in our story. Elijah, very much so too. He was, in, and of course, Elijah lived a long, long time after Moses, hundreds and hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. I don't, we don't know when, when Moses went up that mountain. But we do know, uh, we're able to know through history, about Elijah defending the faith from the uh, prophets of Baal, the other god. So it's significant that those were the two, to me it is, two major defendants of the faith standing there talking with, with Jesus. Perhaps they were talking to the risen Christ Although we know Jesus hasn't been to the cross yet. What do you suppose they were talking about? St. Luke says they were speaking of his departure. He was, they were speaking of Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish. And when he went to Jerusalem, we know what happened there. Maybe they were welcoming Christ, the Christ of God, that would rise from that grave, welcoming, welcoming that Christ to the circle of the defenders of the faith. I'll tell you, 
plainly, I'm making that up, but I think it's a reasonable thing to think about. That was what, that's the metaphor that's being played out there. Of course, Peter, as usual, wasn't getting it. He didn't get it. He wants to build a, he wants to set up camp on the mountain, build some, some, the, the, the older scriptures used to call it booths, and now we, we know they're some kind of, um, I don't know, habitat. Maybe he wanted to plant a church on the mountain. So now's the time. Let's start it. Let's start a church. Well, the Holy Spirit has a different idea. And, come, and the cloud comes over the mountain, big cloud, and they're all terrified, it says. And the voice speaks sternly to Peter and James and John, the voice from the cloud. This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. And the voice, perhaps speaking in a bit louder voice, says, listen to him. And he's speaking, that voice speaks to you and me, doesn't it? Listen to him. That's what we didn't hear at baptism. That was all about Jesus. You're ordained. Go do your work. Now, listen to him, the voice says. So Matthew and Mark, and their, their, that story appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, not John. It doesn't appear in John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it says in Matthew and Mark, in the passage like this, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. That hadn't happened yet. Maybe Jesus thanked Peter for his willingness to hang out on the mountaintop for a few days. But Jesus says, set aside these things, for he has work to do that still needs to be done, and we can't do it on the mountaintop. Anybody ever been on a mountaintop? I have. I lived in Colorado for a while. But have you ever emotionally been on a mountaintop? I have. When I did, when I made my cursillo. How many cursistas are here? Oh yeah, several. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. I'll get back to that. Jesus says, set these things aside. We have work to do that cannot be done on the mountain. So certainly Jesus was to become far, far more than just Jesus of Nazareth, troublemaker for the religious establishment of his time and place. He has become, as Peter would put it, when Peter was asked, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who he is becoming. 
So about a mountaintop. I'm going off. I'm, I'm promoting something here. <laughs> Curcio is a, is a, is a uh, if you don't know, uh, several people raise their hands. You may have seen uh, who they were. Ask them later if you want to know more. But it's a, it's a weekend retreat, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The one coming up in October, we're going to uh, uh, Mustang Island down on the coast. A beautiful place and everything. And it's, Curcio is a Spanish word. It means uh, uh, a little walk. A short walk. So we go and we take a short walk with Jesus. And we learn so much about the love of Christ. And it's a beautiful experience. And the tradition is we don't talk a whole lot about what actually happens there. It, there's some reasons for that, because there's some wonderful surprises and things. But it's safe, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, but... I would encourage you to think about that. I attended uh, Curcio in 1989 in the Diocese of Texas. And since then, I was, as a layperson, I was on two. takes a whole team of people. We had a team meeting yesterday, uh, and there were, I think it were 16 or 17 of us there that, on the team. And I'm one of the two uh, spiritual directors that will be part of that Curcio. And so Ed Reichling and Ron and Ron and Betty Graham are, where's Ron? There he is, way back there in the corner. <laughs> Be on it. So I commend that to you. Think about it. If you want, want to consider it, please let me know. It'll be a mountaintop experience. But at the end of those cursillos, we always tell the, the new cursistas, you're on a mountaintop, and I've been there. You are on a mountaintop. You're all aglow. It's even dangerous to drive home, really. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you can't take that with you, really, but you can take it and give it to another. So if you want to know more, let me know. So I was like, like I was saying earlier about some of the stories that we just uh, heard. My response to them, I, I, I just make them up. It comes from here. It comes from here. So I was really called to the end of the of the reading from Second Peter. Uh, it 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 waked me up a little bit and kind of touched me. And it says this. First of all, you must understand this. No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to speak. Uh, and... Uh, Cursey Easter would say, De Caloris. See, now you'll find out about that. Thank you so much. <clears throat>